0: Well, good morning. I hope everybody is not hurting, I guess would be the word. I was talking to a family a minute ago. They said, how are you today? And I said, well, it's nasty outside. So I'm kind of groggy. I'm kind of tired. I feel really fat. Um, but other than that, I'm perfect. Today's a great day. I mean, you know, this is post-holiday syndrome. and um, and we still got one more week. And you know, you get to that point where you're just like, you always try to watch what you eat. You're going to do better, but you know what? One more week, let's just let it fly. We can all get back to the routine of things the very next week, okay? So you got one more week to do whatever you want to do, okay? Um, No, I hope this today finds you having a a post-Merry Christmas, if you would, and I hope that you found yourself making a lot of memories and and I hope that, that you had a, a wonderful time being with your family. And, and I just kind of want to share right quick, just one of a memory that really has nothing to do with Christmas, but it, it's a reflection of what God is doing here um, that took place, I think it was actually the week before Christmas. Um, you, know, you know, I won Dad of the Year Award last week for planning communion and birthday party all on the same day. So again, I, you'll hear that I just stack up these awards all the time. The other night, we're sitting in the living room, we had already told the kids to go to bed and And you know how you can just hear that murmuring that's coming from the bedroom? And me as dad, you know, my horns came out. I said, what are they doing? So I looked at Chelsea, I said, what are they doing? Why do I still hear them talking? She said, honey, um, Andy's reading the gospel of Luke to Deacon. (laughs) Okay, praise the lamb. (laughs) So as I sit here and, and then again, dad of the award a year award again, But I'll tell you what is one of the sweetest things is I said, do what? And she said, yeah, she said, whatever they're doing in children that that Andy felt led that she needed to read the gospel of Luke to Deacon every night before she goes to bed. And so what's beautiful in that is that's just evidence of, I don't know if you're familiar, but the the children's ministry kind of adopted this honey word. Um, But what's beautiful about that is the word of God is sticking in our kids. It is sticking in our kids, but even what God is teaching on the other side from even what Miss Sam's doing downstairs with our, with our children, but what even Miss Ingrid's doing with our babies is the other night I yelled at Deacon. and said, Deacon, go to bed. So she starts crying and I'm like, oh God, what is she crying about? You know what she was crying about? She wanted Andy to read to her. Again, dad of the year. So I just want to say thank you for what's going on downstairs, Sam and Ingrid, for what you're pouring into our kids every single week. And, and to be honest, that's probably one of my most precious memories over the Christmas break um, was to hear that murmuring that I wanted to yell and scream about, but it was actually the gospel of Luke um, being read over my four-year-old from her big sister. Um, so anyway, but let's go to the Lord in prayer and then let's jump in. God, we thank you for today and... Um, God, I know it's kind of an awkward Sunday. Lord, as it's already been shared, we're between two big holidays and and it would've been very easy for us just to stay at home, stay in the bed this morning and just say, you know what, we'll start fresh come the first week of January. But God, I'm thankful that people are here today. And so God, I am thankful that we have an opportunity to open your word today. So God, don't let today be something routine that we do just so that we can say we've came to church for the last Sunday of 2019. God, do a work in all of our hearts and our lives today. And God, we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in our our lifetime and in our culture, we kind of mentioned this last week, but you know how we always build everything around a reward. You know, you've gotta do this in order to achieve that. You have to do this to get that. We just finished Christmas, and this is the thing that we're able to hold over our kids' heads for a long time. Look, you better behave or Santa Claus is not coming to see you. And now we've introduced that little cotton picking elf. That little sucker's even like Santa Claus on steroids because you wake up every morning wondering where that little guy or girl is going to be. And so we but we use this a lot of times because we can motivate our kids to act right. We can motivate our kids to do right because we always talk about the reward that is going to come because of a, of an action that they perform or that they don't perform. And so You know, even in in us, in our adult life, we love the reward. We love the reward and we can think back even on our childhood and I remember trying to bribe little kids at, at nursery school, at daycare, at elementary school and said, look, if you'll give me that, I'll be your best friend. If you'll let me swing right now, I'll be your best buddy. And we always want a reward for something that we're going to give up. And so we always like to talk about the reward and our concept is, is if you will help me, then I'll help you. And that's kind of our attitude because the rewards motivate us. We love knowing what the end result is going to be. We love the reward when it's dangled out in front of us. But if you've ever noticed something that a lot of times with a reward, there's a process in order to get the reward. There's a journey in building up to the reward. You know, I know around the Christmas holidays, your kids are at home. And, and look, I'll go ahead and tell you, how many of you have undecorated for Christmas? God, praise the Lamb. I always used to be that New Year's Eve guy. You know, New Year's Eve is when we're gonna tear it all down. But now the older I get, I realize that it's just less hazards if all that Christmas junk is up. But look, here's a great time to use your kids. Use your kids. Look, you offer them a dollar. Hey, if you, I'll pay you a dollar if you'll help me undecorate the tree. Man, when they get that dollar, they're rich. They're loaded, right? I mean, they they have to figure out where they're gonna spend this dollar. But again, we dangle that reward right out in front of them. But then all of a sudden, they begin, they'll get two or three decorations off and then everything else kicks in and we know that their brains go chaotic and then they disappear. And then you say, well, you're not finished your job. "Well, Well, go ahead and give me my dollar. I want the reward now. But they don't think about the process that it takes to get there because the process a lot of times can be painful. A lot of times it can be difficult. And so today we're gonna start a series called No Way. And kind of the vision behind what I feel like God has laid on my heart is in 2020, we wanna see God do the impossible. We want to see the reward. We want to see the end result. However, what I've become to realize is that in most cases, we're gonna to have to walk through a process or a season that, that may look impossible. When God begins to speak to us, when God begins to give us direction, when God begins to open doors for us, for your family, for yourself, for our church, my prayer is, is that when we see those doors open, I hope our first reaction is there is no way that this will ever happen. That is an impossibility that's nothing that we can overcome. There is no way that can, what I feel like God is doing will ever come to fruition because it seems that impossible. And so there's a story in the Bible that, that, that kind of builds around this idea of knowing what the reward is, but oftentimes overlooking the process to get there. And so we're not gonna flip where, I'll tell you where we're gonna go this morning, but in Genesis 15, 18 is where we see that promise come to be. In verse 18, God is speaking to Abram and he says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land. Notice that he says, I have given this land. He's already done it. He's already promised from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. You see, he already tells us what the end result's gonna be. He already tells Abram, he says, look, you're gonna have the promised land. You're gonna achieve victory. This is what I'm promising you. This is what I'm gonna do for you. And so when we see the end result, we always wanna say, yes, sign me up, sign me up. If we know how it's gonna turn out, if we know how it's gonna go, we are the quickest people to say, yes, sign me up for that reward. Sign me up for that promise. There's another thing that we can relate to in the Gospel of John, and you don't have to turn there either. Um, I'll share it with you right quick, but this is one that we love to celebrate in modern day Christianity. John chapter 14, Jesus says this, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places or many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What Jesus is talking about is heaven. And I think if we just ask the question this morning, how many of you want this reward? How many of you want to inherit heaven? We would all go around this room and say, yes, that is for me. Sign me up, I wanna to go to heaven. I, want, I don't wanna spend eternity separated from God. We love that verse one through three, where it talks about the beauty of heaven, that he's going to prepare a place for us and that this place is for us. But a lot of times we overlook what it says just a few verses later when Jesus says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but through me. You see, we forget about that part a lot of times. We all want heaven. We all want all of the benefits that go along with heaven, but a lot of times we forget that in order to receive heaven, in order to inherit heaven, we must follow Christ. We must surrender our heart and our life to the will of Jesus Christ. And when we surrender that heart and that life to Jesus, when we, when we say, yes, God, I want you, but Lord, I am willing to do whatever it takes to inherit heaven. We know that that comes through faith just by trusting in him as savior. But if there's true faith there, what's gonna happen is he's gonna call for our obedience. He's gonna call for our sacrifice. And as believers, what we're gonna have to get to a place is where we die to ourselves. That's hard to talk about. You know, the reward is heaven. The reward is heaven, yes, sign me up. But what we overlook a lot of times is the process. The process of obedience. The process of our sacrifice. The process of what we're gonna have to give up in order to follow him. But we all know that through the journey of following Jesus Christ, by being obedient, it's gonna come with obstacles. It's gonna come with things that we don't necessarily wanna give up. It's gonna come with things that we don't necessarily want to sacrifice. And when God begins to reveal things to us in 2020, there's one thing that's gonna get in the way from us being obedient. There's one thing that's gonna get in the way from us doing and walking through the doors that God opens for us. Now listen, when I tell you what that one thing is, You gotta understand, I'm gonna kind of pack the the context that goes around this in just a moment, but I wanna get your attention because the thing that's gonna get in the way of us fulfilling what God has for us in 2020 is your butt. This is not a New Year's resolution. Look at Tommy, Tommy's going, what? This has nothing to do with exercise plan. This has nothing to do with watching your calories, but this is the word, but with one T. Because what's gonna happen through the process of 2020 is when God opens doors, when God reveals things to us, our knee-jerk reaction is we're gonna say, God, sign me up, but that looks impossible. God, sign me up for the reward, but I don't know if I'm ready to give that up. God, continue to lead me, continue to show me, but God, don't ask me to give that up. God, I, I, I don't have time to give up right now. I don't have the finances to give up right now. God, I don't, I don't want to do this because I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable doing what I do. But what we're going to look at today is actually the word that translates to but is the word nevertheless. Is nevertheless. And that's what I'm gonna do is kind of catch you up and explain to this along with the promise that God has promised Abram in Genesis chapter 15, I believe it was. But we're gonna see now in the book of Numbers where this promise is coming to fruition. God has already promised the Israelites the promised land. He knows he's already told them, you will see the victory. You will achieve this reward. Now, all of a sudden, Moses and the Israelites have arrived on the outside skirts of the promised land. And they're standing looking at God's promise. They're standing at looking at the reward. They're standing looking at what God has already told them is theirs. But then this is where things get a little bit funny to me. I love God's sense of humor. I want you to flip to the the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers chapter 13 because there they've been obedient. We know that they've seen a lot of impossible things. We know that there's been a lot of grumbling. There's been a lot of buts, if you would, that have gotten in the way because they've questioned what God was doing. They thought God had deserted them, but then all of a sudden they would face an impossible situation and God again would show himself faithful and fulfill the promise that he had placed in front of them and that was to take care. But in Numbers chapter 13, verse one, Look at what the word says. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send out for yourself men so they may spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. There's a promise again. He says, look, you're here, but I want you to spend, send the spies in and I am gonna give you this land and you shall send a man from each of their fathers, their tribes, everyone a leader from among them. You know, when I read this, I've read this story before, but in this particular context, I read it and I thought, how interesting is it that that God's already promised them the promised land? He's already told them that it was going to be theirs. So why in the world would God want to send the spies in so that they would see what they were going to have to face in order to overtake the land? He's already told them they've won, won, so wouldn't it just be easier to send them on in, let them win, let him be shown victorious and, and let it just check it off, that mission accomplished. But instead, he sent the spies in, and I asked the question God, why did you do that? Why did you send them in? You and your all knowing power, you knew what they were gonna see, you knew what they were gonna be faced with. And what God showed me and what God revealed to me is there's many times that as God leads us, as God directs us, he wants us to see the impossible. He wants us to see the giants in front of us that we think there's no way that we can overcome this. There's no way we can defeat this because when we recognize the giants in our lives, when we recognize the giants that God will show us in front of us as we're being obedient, You realize all that he is trying to do is show that he is bigger than the impossible. He wanted them to see the impossible. He wanted to have the impossible displayed out in front of them so then as they look forward, as they overtake Canaan, now the only place they can give credit is to the giant killer himself and that's God Almighty. He wanted them to see the impossibilities that were in front of them You know, there's no doubt that as God moves us forward in 2020, we're gonna face a lot of giants. You're gonna face giants in your family. You're gonna face giants in your ministry. You're gonna face giants in your personal life. And there's gonna be a lot of times that we feel like we're listening to the Lord, we're being obedient to where God is leading us, and then all of a sudden we're gonna walk through that door that God has opened and all of a sudden there's a giant staring us right in the face and we're gonna back up and say, wait a minute, God, I was obedient, I followed you through the door that I know you opened, why is this giant staring me in the face? Why is this impossible situation overcoming me? Why is it taking me over, God, why? I was obedient, I listened, But what you realize is this is an opportunity for God to show who God is. So in our obedience, we are going to face giants in 2020. But what I am so thankful for is that when that impossible circumstance is looking us in the face, we serve a God who is bigger than the impossible. We serve a God who is bigger than the impossible. And when we ask ourselves the question, I listened, I listened, but God, there's not supposed to be a giant in my way. God, I listened, but I'm doing exactly what you called me to do. But the reason is, is because it's who we are as humans. We love the reward, we love the end result. But the process at times can be painful. The process at times can be difficult. The process can be scary. The process can be scary. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to look down at verse 25. The spies have gone into the land of Canaan. They've gone into the promised land that that God has already told them is theirs. And let's listen to their report when they come back. When they return from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all of the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, all all, to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they've gone into the land that God has promised them. And they say, God, it is exactly what you told us it was. It is the land that flows with milk and honey. We've got evidence. We've got the fruit in our hand. We've got the evidence of showing us that, God, you are faithful. God, it is exactly what you said it was going to be. The reward is exactly what you told us it was going to be. But then verse 28, here is where their butt gets in the way. Verse 28 says, never the less, translates, but the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and Amalek is living in the land of Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are all living in the hill country and the Canaanites are all living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Do you hear what they're doing? They're making every excuse in the book. The only thing they're focusing on is the the impossibilities. The only thing they are focusing on is on every obstacle that is standing in the way of them fulfilling and seeing God's promise come to fruition. They're so focused on all of the giants that are looking at them that they feel are wanting to destroy them. So we all know that 2020 is gonna come with a lot of direction. But along those directions are gonna come some giants are gonna come some things that seem stronger than we are. Are gonna come some things that seem big, bigger than we can overcome. And there's gonna be times that when God shows us and he opens those doors for us, that we're gonna walk through that door and say, God, you want me to do what? God, are you sure that this is not a prank call? Because God, I don't really understand because I don't know how this is gonna work. God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up with my time schedule. God, this doesn't line up with my financial budget. God, this doesn't line up with my comfort zone. So God, are you sure you want me to do this? How many times do we make excuses? How many times does our butt get in the way when God reveals to us what he wants us to do? I remember as a 12-year-old boy, sitting on the pew at Riverbend Baptist Church when I knew the Spirit of God was calling me to Himself. And I knew He was calling me to salvation. And I knew He was calling me to surrender. And I sat there in the pew at Riverbend Baptist Church and I made up every excuse I could as a 12-year-old boy. God, I don't understand all this. God, there's no way that you sent your son to die for me. God, there's no way that you can save me. God, there's no way that I am worthy for this salvation that you're calling me to. And I sat there as a 12-year-old boy and that final excuse is I said, God, I'm not gonna budge. I'm not gonna budge until somebody else goes first. When reality in my mind, I thought I had to, it had something to do with me coming down front and, 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 and filling out some card. But in reality, I truly believed that before I even stepped out, God had already saved me because I knew that I was lost without a savior. But even in God's sense of humor, I sat there on the, the pew and I said, God, please, I'm not gonna move until somebody else moves. And it because in my mind, I thought ain't nobody gonna move. Then all of a sudden, guess who moved? My best friend who was sitting right beside me. And so that was God showing me, he was bigger than all of my excuses. How many times has God laid on your heart, somebody for you to witness to, for you to share the gospel with? And how many excuses have you came up with? They'll get mad at me. They'll reject me. God, I'll mess this up. And then the list of buts goes on. God. Yes, we can see the vision. We can see the reward. We can see them coming to a place of surrender. But that process and getting there scares us to death. Scares us to death. How many times has God laid on your heart somebody that you need to go apologize to? How many times has God laid on your heart somebody that you've wronged or somebody has wronged you? And the spirit of God leads you to address that and go to that person to make things right with that person. You better believe this is when big old butts show up. But God, I haven't talked to them in two years. God, I've not spoken with them in five years. God, there's no way that they're gonna, they're they're liable to just to punch me right in the mouth when I say I'm sorry. And the list goes on and on. How many times have we made excuses that when God calls us to serve in a specific ministry, God, I'm unqualified. God, you can't use me in children's ministry. God, you can't use me in student ministry. God, you can't use me on the worship team. And the list goes on and on of all of the excuses. How many times has God called you to go? Maybe it's on a mission trip. Maybe it's something as simple as send to Sunday. Or maybe it is getting on an airplane and going to the other side of the world. And all of a sudden, you better believe every excuse in the book will come across your mind. I can't afford that. I can't go. I don't have the time. I've never flown before. I've never done this. I've never done that. And all of a sudden, every excuse in the world, we come up with it and we use it How many times has God called you to give over and beyond what you're already given and you're saying, God, I'm no CPA, I'm no accountant, but those numbers don't line up. Those numbers don't line up. So God, you want me to give what? God, are you sure that's what you want me to give? Because God, if I give that amount, that means I'm gonna have to stop going to eat five times a week, and I'm gonna have to bump it down to four. God, that means I'm gonna have to give this up. God, that means I'm gonna have to give that up. And we come up with every excuse. And can I tell you the only one that loves your excuses is the enemy. The enemy loves your excuses. The enemy loves your excuses. In my prayer, you're not gonna like me very much But my prayer for our church is that God stretches us beyond our comfort. I remember as a young man, I heard my youth pastor at the time pray. His name was Lowell Whitmire and he was praying that somebody would come to know Christ. And and basically he just prayed a prayer of misery over this man. I'm going, dude, that is the meanest prayer I've ever heard in all my life. And I was that little, you know, 16-year-old boy that's hearing this man pray. And I'm sitting there peeking out of one of my eyes going, dude, I see like horns. I mean, this is just like an aggressive prayer. But what I found out is he was so burdened for that person's soul that that temporary misery was what he was wanting to pray until that man surrendered his heart and his life to Christ. So I'm not saying that I'm gonna pray with that much intensity about you, but I pray that in 2020, that you are stretched so out of your comfort zone that it is only God who will be leading you in that direction. And there's three things that God has burdened me with for 2020. And these are the areas that I'm hoping God stretches you. But here's what I want you to understand. This is not a time that I stand up here and just say that I'm praying this over you because here's the reality. God is gonna do this to my family. God is going to stretch us. But I am praying that our focus for 2020 is gonna be, here's where God's gonna stretch you. It's gonna be through the avenue of groups. It's gonna be through the avenue of going and it's gonna be through the avenue of giving. And right now you're already going, oh, I, here, here's how the enemy works. You're already coming up with excuses. You're going groups, not enough time. Going, I ain't getting on no plane. Giving, I'm already giving all I can give. And even right now in this moment, the enemy is already at work. He's wanting you to report back with every excuse under the sun. Some of you are already going, man, maybe this isn't even the church for me because I ain't about no groups. I ain't about going and I ain't about giving. I'm not gonna apologize. This is what God's laid on our heart in the direction that we will be going, not because Brian wants to, but because God, this is the direction that God is leading us as a church. This is how we're gonna be obedient. It's through groups going and giving for 2020. And so I'm asking you to go ahead and pray. Pray that your butt doesn't get in the way. I have a feeling I'm gonna catch some flack for this one. But there's three things that's gonna happen. Three things as we get ready to wrap this morning up. There's three things are gonna happen when our butt does get in the way, when the nevertheless gets in the way. Number one is we're gonna point out all the difficulties. Verse 28, we read just about that a moment ago. He, he went and he unloaded all of the things. They're very large. They're already fortified. They're already established. So they came up with every excuse under the sun. And some of us, all of our excuses are gonna be time. They're gonna be commitment. We don't like change. I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. But can I tell you, as I look back on my journey through ministry, with every change came fear. With every change came doubt, but also with every change came God's faithfulness. You see, I graduated college and went into the well drilling business. Don't ask me what that has to do with anything spiritually. Don't know. But what I do know is the month God called me away from well drilling, I made more money as a 28-year-old man than I have ever made in all of my life in one month. And I knew that through an injury of my hands, God was leading me another direction. And I said, God, you want me to do what? You want me to walk away from this amount of money to be a school teacher? God, are you sure about that? And so I put my yes on the table and I said, all right, God, I'll go back to school. I've already got a degree, but I'll go back and do whatever it is you want me to do. And so I became a PE teacher and a coach. Left behind well drilling. Man, (laughs) praise the lamb for that one. And then as I stepped into school teaching and being a coach, I was like, God, what does this have to do with ministry? And then all of a sudden, FCA fell in our lap. We were able to be a huddle coach for the next eight or nine years where I can't tell you how many teenagers we saw come to know Christ. And then through that journey, I get a phone call from a local church and it said, hey, we would love for you to interview as the middle school youth pastor. I said, do what? (laughs) No, I know nothing about churches. I know nothing about ministry. I am good being my coach. I'm good being, I'm, I'm good God. I got this. Within two months, I was a middle school student pastor, bivocational, teacher, coach, new dad, new husband, and now a middle school youth pastor. And then all of a sudden, God began to open another door. And he says, I want you to walk away from the, the teaching and the coaching thing, and I want you to, full, to fulfill this full-time obligation in ministry in the church. And man, I can tell you right now, I gave every excuse under the sun. God, this teaching thing, man, it's, it's secure. I've really gotta mess something up to lose this job. God, I've really gotta, I've really gotta mess this up to, to, to lose this. So God, I think I'll just stay where I'm at. Within the next 10 months, God transitioned me from being a teacher and a coach into full-time ministry. I knew nothing about it. And then for the next six years, I was a full-time student pastor. And then Chestnut Mountain called. And I remember where I was standing the day they called, or you called, whatever. You know what my response was? Literally, I laughed. I said, God, No way. No way. God, I'm a youth pastor. All I know is teenagers. God, there's no way. God's got a sense of humor. But can I tell you through every season change in my journey in following Christ, it came with every giant. I wish I had time to list all of the giants that came along with every change. But can I tell you, I stand today and tell you right now that my God is the giant killer, that every doubt, every financial obligation God placed in front of me, every obstacle that I thought there was no way that I can do this, in reality, guess what? I wasn't able to do it, but my God did. And church, that's where I want us to be as a church in 2020. But along with all of these buts, along with all of the neverthelesses, we point out all the difficulties and we see the second thing that happens is we overestimate the obstacle. We overestimate the obstacle in verses 31 and 32. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they're too strong for us. They're too strong, they're they're too big. They overestimated the strength of the enemy. But the third thing that happens is when we point out all the difficulties, when we overestimate all the obstacles, we, delay the de- we delayed the desired result. If you flip over to chapter 14, you see where this is addressed and it's basically saying, okay, since you're not gonna be obedient, your children will inherit my blessings. Your children will inherit what I've promised you because you're not willing to be obedient. But I can tell you right now, church, while I'm praying that God stretches you, while I'm praying that God makes you uncomfortable, while I'm praying God makes me uncomfortable, while I'm praying that God makes my wife uncomfortable. On a side note with that, every season of change in ministry Guess what my wife's first response was in every door? No. No way. No way. But guess what? The power of an almighty God aligned our hearts. Laid on her heart what God had laid on my heart. So while I'm praying that God stretches us I'm also praying, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, that we would all have a heart like this one man named Caleb. As all the murmuring, as all the excuses, as everything that was being murmured about, talked about, there's no way we can do this, there's no way we can do that. All of a sudden, one man named Caleb stood up and it said he quieted the people before Moses. And he said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will surely overcome it. So while I'm praying that God stretches you, while I'm praying that God stretches me, I'm also praying that starting today on December 29, 2019, I'm praying for a room full of Caleb hearts to where we can put our flag in the ground and we can say, by all means, if God has spoken, we will do it. By all means. And so when God leads us to do the impossible, you don't have to have faith in me. You don't have to trust me. You don't have to trust this staff. You don't have to trust this team. All I'm asking you to do is trust him. And by all means, If he leads us in that direction, he will see it through. He will see it through. And so maybe this morning as we went through the the scenarios of all the excuses made up, that, that, that when God opens our hearts to him, maybe we would start out this morning by even salvation. The last Sunday of 2019, Are you where I was as a 12 year old boy and saying, you know what, there's no way God can save me. I I don't understand it all. I can't do this or I can't do that. I can't come down in front of people. I can't do, here's the reality. God will save you right where you're at. And so what I would ask you to do is before we move further anymore, that if the spirit of God is calling you, surrender your heart and your life to him right now. Surrender your heart and your life. But I also want to, to ask you to be stretched a little bit. Come and make that known because there's a room full of believers that want to celebrate this with you. We're not going to point fingers, but I can promise you we're going to hug your neck. We're going to clap. We're probably going to shed some tears. But man, what a way to start 2020. But for the rest of us as believers, I would ask you this morning to get on your face and to beg God for a heart like Caleb. By all means by all means. God, I pray right now that as you're speaking and Lord, I'm God, I know you didn't give me a spirit of fear. But God, there's a sense of me, a part of me that that wants to be fearful of what you're leading us to do because I know that that's gonna be a chance for you to show how strong you are. So God, today, um, I pray that our hearts would be molded and shaped into a heart like Caleb to where we can declare by all means. If you give us direction, God, if we wanna be obedient. But God, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today is that day because we want to celebrate with them. So God, we are your church. God do what you want to with us and we ask all this in the powerful name of your son Jesus Amen. Hey if you'll go ahead and stand to your feet just be obedient and maybe you need to pray right now that God will begin giving you a heart like Caleb giving you a heart like